Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Let me start by asking a question. Who here wants to be great in life? All right. A couple more honest people than there was in the 930, if, if I'm honest. Let me answer the question. Who wants to be great? Everybody wants to be great. Come on, let me show you. Nobody woke up this morning and said, you know what? I hope I have a mediocre day. If I could just be decent, if I, show me average and I'm going to shoot for that. As a, as a spouse, as, as someone who's single, as a parent, as a friend, as an employer, an employee, none of us have that goal. If we're honest, our goal is to be great. We want to achieve greatness in our lives. If you're a parent, you don't look at your kids and say, man, if you could just, just make it, if you could just get by. No, you want them to be great in their lives. You want them to succeed, to excel. And so that desire that's in you, I want to show you there is nothing wrong with that desire. In fact, I believe that you were created on purpose for a purpose, and that purpose is to be great. Let me show you in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. Look at somebody and say, you're God's handiwork. Come on, tell, tell them. They need to hear it from you. You're God's handiwork. You're his handiwork. Like you're his masterpiece, one translation says. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. A great God created you to be great. Like when God was creating, Scripture says he formed us, he knit us together, even when we were in our mother's womb. So when God created, he said, I'm gonna give the world one Miguel. He's going to be great. I'm going to give one Christine, one Julia, one Joe. They're going to change the world. They're going to be trailblazers. They're going to do great things in their lives. You are God's handiwork. And I just need you to hear that because I don't know, the world that I live in Monday through Sunday doesn't really remind us of how great we are. Oftentimes we get onto social media or we receive some news or we're looking at other people's lives. And how many can feel like I'm not great? What am I doing with my life? not achieving anything. I'm not where I thought I would be by now. My company's not exceeding. My career's not taking off. My children, my family, whatever it is. So just hear this this morning. You are, in fact, God's handiwork. You were created for greatness. Now, the question should come up, how are we going to achieve greatness? What is the path that we are to walk on to become great? to become the greatest that we can be in our area of life. And I want to show you that there's two paths that you and I can walk on to achieve greatness. One we'll call is the world's way. And and, and that term simply means that those who don't know Christ have a way of thinking, a pattern, a mindset, the, the, the worldview. And how many know I once was lost, but now I'm found. How many would be honest and say, man, I used to live that way, right? Like you just live for yourself. Just try to make it all about you. So there's that path. Maybe that's where you're walking today. So there's the world's way, and then there's a kingdom way to achieve greatness. And I want to look at a conversation that the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were having with each other. And we're going to kind of eavesdrop a little bit on their conversation and just learn from them. 
because it's way better to talk about other people than to talk about ourselves when it comes to flaws, isn't it? So we're going to talk about the disciples. Look at what we read in Luke chapter 22. Then they, that's the disciples, they began to, say the word with me, nice and loud, argue. They began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. They began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. The disciples of Jesus are having an argument and it centers around who's the greatest. Now, we don't know because Luke doesn't tell us who exactly started the argument, but my money's on Peter. Maybe James and John, the sons of thunder, right? That was their nickname. Just kind of getting into it a little bit with each other. Like, no, I'm great. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the best. He likes me the most. Look at what I've accomplished. Regardless of who started the argument, they are engaging in an argument that you and I can engage in all the time. An argument about greatness. Am I the greatest mom? Am I the greatest dad? Am I the greatest boss? Am I the greatest employee? Am I the greatest student, the greatest child? Whatever your, your argument centers around, the disciples are right here having an argument. And Jesus interjects and shows them the two paths. Say two paths. He shows them the two paths. First, he shows them the world's way. He says this in the next verse. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. What's he saying? He's saying the world's way to greatness looks like this. There are people who will achieve something great, and then they'll flaunt it over others. Come on, I'm not going to put in overtime if my boss doesn't notice. That's silly. I got to make sure someone sees this. I'm not going to go the extra mile if I don't post about it and don't get a couple likes, get some people to see what I've accomplished. That's how we do it in 2022. Lord it over others and at the same time, expect people to be like, oh, I see you. I, I saw that. Did you see what he did? Did you see what she did? making friends with people, but it's not really about friendship. It's more about us. So let me ask another revealing question. On the path to greatness, who is it that you're most desiring to impress? Who Who do you want to notice you? We all have that longing in our hearts to be seen, to be heard, to be noticed. Maybe for you, it stems back to your childhood. There was a parent figure who was not there, who didn't say, I see you who didn't say, I notice you, who never said, I love you. And even to this day, when you do something, you're hoping to impress a parent figure in your life. It could be your own children. You're hoping they'll approve of you. They'll like you. They just won't start an argument with you for one day. Okay, so maybe you're living for their approval. It could be a boss, a friend, a family member. If we're not careful, when it comes to being great, to doing great things, we could actually do it all for the approval of people around us. Like just living for their approval. It might look something like this. If they see me, if they notice whoever they is, then I'll matter. Doesn't matter if I do everything great. If I do it all right, if that one person doesn't acknowledge me, could be a spouse, a friend, a family member, a boss, could be yourself that you just look in the mirror and you have yet to love yourself. To just say, you're doing a good job, you. Go get them. 
Who is it? What is it that we desire? We desire greatness. We desire approval. But if we're not careful, we can live for the approval of others. So Jesus says, that's not the way it's going to be with you. Look at what he says next. But among you, it will, say it with me, be different. It will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. Not normal. Be different. Kingdom way. The world's way says, if you want to achieve greatness, you got to hustle. You got to make yourself known. You got you to kind of debate it with others. You got to prove yourself to others. And Jesus says, among you, it will be different. The greatest will be a servant. Those two words is what I want marked in us this morning. Be different. Be different. If you and I could be different when we enter this space, our homes, our jobs, on the road, wherever we are, what if we had that attitude? Jesus says, you must be different. So if you're a follower of Christ today, you would say, I'm a Christian. Jesus has changed my life. He has saved me and made me new. You and I are called to be different. Now, there's something really interesting about this argument, and it's where it's taking place. Where were the disciples when they were arguing over being the greatest? Look at this. It, just a few verses back. Luke 22, verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. The disciples we're arguing over who's the greatest after communion. After the Lord's Supper, we talked about this two weeks ago. At that meal, at that table, Jesus takes the bread, breaks it and says, this is my body broken for you. This is the cup. Do this and remember me. And then an argument breaks out about who's the greatest. Let me make this real for a second. That would be like after communion here at Blaze Church, chill in the lobby, you walk by, you see Amy, she starts pushing Joe. I'm, I'm a greater preacher than you, bro. And they're just going at it. And the, and the production team is pushing each other and road cases are going over. And the kids team, like in church, after communion, in the presence of the true goat, the greatest of all time, Jesus himself. The disciples are arguing. Why? Because they're trying to prove themselves. Maybe they're trying to impress Jesus. Maybe they're thinking they have to do something to get his approval. And it's not just after communion that the argument breaks out. Something else took place that night. Let me show you. John writes about it. John chapter 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that had been wrapped around him. On the night when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, on the night when he gave them the Lord's Supper, 
on the night when he would be betrayed, abandoned, arrested, and ultimately crucified, the disciples argued about greatness. Do you think maybe they missed something? Do you think maybe you and I could miss the same thing today if we're not careful? Let's not sit here in 2022 and read and say, I would never do that. When you and I can so easily do that, focus more about us than about others. Walk into a space and think, who's going to serve me instead of who am I going to serve? Why was it that Jesus was able to serve that night? I mean, serve people who in hours would abandon him. Serve people who would argue over being great. Why was he able to serve and the disciples were not able to serve? Is it simply just because he was fully God and fully man? I don't think that's the reason. Jesus knew something. And what Jesus knew, you and I get to know today. And if we know this, and not just here, but know it in our hearts, it's why we exist to blaze the way for people to know God. If we know this, it will lead us to serve. Let's read it. We already read it. Verse three, Jesus knew, what did he know? That the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. What Jesus knew was the father. He had a personal relationship with the father. He had what I'll call a secure identity. He wasn't wondering who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew the Father's plan. He knew the Father's purpose. He knew the Father's power. He knew the Father's love. He knew the Father. And because he knew the Father, he didn't have to live for the approval of others. He served out of that knowing. You and I will struggle with serving others if we're hoping that they'll approve of us. But when we can live in the freedom that comes from knowing the Father, suddenly I can serve people who don't like me, who aren't like me, who don't vote like me, who don't look like me, because I don't need their approval to be affirmed. I'm approved that by the Father. Maybe the reason why we're not living spirit-filled lives and powerful lives and the abundant life and a serving life is simply because we don't know whose we are. Could it just be that we need to know our identity is John 1, 12? To all who believe and receive them, he gave the right to be called the children of God. You're a child of God. That's who you are. And when we know that, we'll be free to serve. Jesus is like, I could wash Judas's feet. I don't need his approval. I know the Father. I could serve them. I know the Father. He had a secure identity. Do you know why this world is filled with people fighting for greatness? Because there's a whole bunch of humans running around trying to prove they have something to prove. <laughs> We're just all going at it with each other, trying to prove I'm better than you. I'm greater than you. Look at what I've done. We're on an identity quest and Jesus came to give us a secure identity that can't be taken away. You're his child. You belong to him. Scripture tells us that if you've confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you're saved. That's it. That is the greatest identity that you and I need. And from that being, our doing flows. So don't miss that. I can serve freely 
because I'm already saved. I'm loved by God. That's got to be our mindset and our attitude. Jesus knew that. What about us? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us some very clear instructions on how we are to live if we are God's children. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in, say this word with me, humility. Value others above yourselves. Man, that's hard. He goes on and says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Humility. Do you know what humility means? It's not about me. That's what humility is. Now, don't get this wrong, because I believe as children of God, we should not have a low view of ourselves. Like you're his kid. You're his kid. So this is not talking down to yourself or putting down yourself or thinking less of yourself, but it certainly is thinking about yourself less often. So, hey, you need to wake up in the morning and you need to declare the promises of God over your life. I'm a child of God. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm chosen. I'm called. Everything scripture tells us. And out of that, then I say, who am I going to serve? How am I going to walk out this Christian life now? It's not about me. I want to put the interests of others above my own. And John Maxwell says this, a great leader enters a space and says, who can I add value to today? Who is going to be a little bit better simply because I'm here to promote them? to serve them, to make sure they know they are loved by God. And listen, this isn't normal. Remember, there's two paths to greatness. We all want to be great, made in his image. There's two paths to get there. And this one that scripture speaks of, that that the kingdom says, that Jesus calls us to, it's not normal. What's normal is, it's all about me. So let me give you some examples of what might be normal in different environments. And this isn't you, this is me. Don't get offended. Maybe, maybe at home, I can come home and I can wonder, man, getting home from a long day at work, I hope the house is quiet. I hope it's clean. I hope I don't have to navigate a Lego minefield just to get to the fridge. I hope I could put my feet up and relax. I'm not thinking about the day my kids had or my wife had. I'm coming in thinking about me. Could be at work. Man, I, they're changing policies again. I hope these policies benefit me. Seems like it always benefits people above me. Why can't my boss understand I could do my job from home? Again, that's not you. Just, or me. (laughs) Amy's my boss. (laughs) About a school, maybe you're in school, you're a student. Man, I hope I get paired up with the right people on this project. I hope my teacher takes it easy on the schedule this year. Doesn't, Doesn't she understand what I have going on? Could think about us. Everybody say some people. Some people. Some people, not us, this next environment, some people. This is crazy. You may not believe this, Joe. Some people come to church and they they pull in and say, I hope there's someone helping me find a parking spot. Some people come to church and they say, man, I hope the coffee's brewed and it's just right. Tastes like diesel. Pastor Keith made it today. It's really (laughs) strong. Some people come to church and they say, I hope they sing my favorite song. And if they don't sing it, they're getting hands in the pocket. I'll give them frozen chosen. 
Some people come in and say, I hope there's something for my kids. And if there's not, then I'm not coming back. Some people say, I hope the production does what they're supposed to do. So I didn't bring a Bible. They better put the verse up there for me. Some people, not no one here. Some people even come into a church environment with a me mentality. Whether it's on the road or it's in your home, it's that church. If we're not careful, we could think that everything is all about us. And like the disciples, we'll start arguing for greatness. Some people hope, I hope that door doesn't open. I hope there's no noise from Blaze Kids. <laughs> Some people. Other people say, man, how beautiful that there's children learning about Jesus. If you hear streams today, our tweens are having a Nerf gun fight to demonstrate shield of faith and fiery darts. So let's just celebrate that, okay? I mean, that's awesome. So we can be distracted for a minute. Some people think it's all about me. But among you, it must be different. Anywhere we go. Let's read on. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Don't you wish that Paul wrote, you should have? Or maybe around people who it's easy to have the attitude or on a good day, have the attitude. No, he just says, you must have the attitude. You know why? Because your attitude has been made new by the work of the spirit. Your mind's been renewed. So of course you've got to have the same attitude Jesus had. If this seems hard, it is. In fact, it's impossible apart from the work of the spirit making us new. But if Jesus has done the work, and the Spirit's made it true in our lives, and we're children of God, then of course I'm going to have his attitude. Now, what was his attitude? Paul tells us, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Translation, if anybody could have played the I'm God card that night at the Last Supper and said, I'm not washing feet, I'm God, it would have been him. And he didn't. If anybody could have hit the I'm God button to get out of a serving opportunity, it could have been him, fully God. And yet he doesn't use his nature as a reason to not serve. He didn't think of his own advantage, not once. It's always about the Father's plan to rescue you, to redeem you. Look at this next verse. Here's what he did. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. You know what we say about people who are achieving greatness the world's way? They're full of themselves. None of us have an arrogant friend because we don't want to be around arrogant people because they're full of themselves. Jesus emptied himself. He said, it's not about me. And he served. How did he serve? Paul writes it. Being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. How did Jesus serve? Did he, did he pull out a road case? Did he hold a door open for someone? Did he teach a child? Did he, did he set up curtains? Did he brew coffee? No, that stuff's hard for us. But he got up on a cross and died for humanity. Scripture says he died for his enemies. You and I were the enemies of God and, and Jesus came and died so that we would no longer be enemies, but be his children. On the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. What a humble 
attitude that Jesus had that Paul says you must have the same attitude. Remember, this isn't about works. This isn't about trying hard. All of that is religion and it suffocates. Our serving should flow from a knowing that we belong to the Father. You've got to know that today. So I want to give you a way to have a great Thanksgiving on Thursday. I don't know what your Thanksgiving will look like. I don't know who you'll gather around. There might be people there you like. There might be people there you tolerate. There might be a mix of both. The only thing I know about this Thanksgiving is the Giants will beat the Cowboys. Outside of that, I've got, I've got nothing. Uh, we had two Cowboys fans in the first service. We tried to anoint them and deliver them. It didn't work. Uh, so we shall see what happens uh, this Thursday. I don't know what your Thanksgiving is like, but here's what I know. You could have a tremendous Thanksgiving with people you tolerate, with a dry turkey, with whatever the environment is. You could have a great Thanksgiving if you would simply have this attitude. I'm showing up and I'm going to carry a towel. It's a mindset. I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna bring a towel with me. So when I became ordained in 2018, this is one of the things that I received at my ordination as a towel because the elders that prayed over me and anointed me wanna make sure that every ordained minister knows your primary responsibility, the primary way that you make a difference is by serving, servant. And I keep this in my office and I see it when I go there. And it's a reminder that I am called to carry a towel, to serve. And today, when you leave, every single person in this space, our welcome team has a basket filled with towels and every single person is gonna leave here with a towel. And I'm encouraging you as your pastor to put that towel in the place where you need to be reminded most, it's not about me. So it might be your job, it might be your home, it might be on the road, because you just can't let a car in without having like your identity shaken up. Like that messes with you. So put that in the seat next to you and learn to serve people. Some of you, you need three towels and that's okay. You're just that jacked up. I get it. Uh, don't give this to your family members on Thanksgiving and say, hey, you need this towel. Don't do that. It's about you. Remember? This time you can say it's about me, okay? Uh, but I, I want us to be a church filled with people who carry a towel, who serve, who where, wherever you go, you're thinking, who can I serve today? How can I add value today? I can serve my enemies because I know I'm approved of by the Father. Oh, how that would change the way you live. So carry a towel. Now, this is hard. Understand that. And it might be hard in different spaces. There is a space and place where this should be easier, where it's almost like a training ground. And I want to show it to you in Scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. We, we should always be serving wherever we are. But he highlights a place, especially to those in the family of faith. 
There's a passage of scripture where the author writes, if we see our brother or sister in Christ in need and do not serve them, we are no better than unbelievers. So this space, when, when the church gathers together, this is the best place for you to develop a servant mindset. And it's not about me attitude here. So I'm encouraging you today. And more than that, I'm urging you because I know how beneficial this is for you. You've got to be making a difference on the dream team here at Blaze Church. You have to be. It's where you will learn to serve others. And listen, you're going to serve some grumpy people here. We're not perfect. You're going to get offended. You're, you're going to be thinking, well, I, I'm serving, but now I'm not. They moved me and this and that person, and I tried to park their car, and they didn't want to park there, and I tried to show them a sheet, seat, and they didn't want that seat, and they don't want their kids to go in there, and now they're in here. And it, you're going to, what's great about that is Matthew 18, we love one another. We forgive one another. We're the family of faith. We keep short accounts. You know, we have a value here. We're a team without toes. I shared that with a couple people this week. We're a team without toes. What does that mean? They said, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. You can't. We're a team without toes. Nothing's mine. Nothing's yours. It's all his. We have one mission, and that is for lost people to be saved. That's for the kingdom to come. So there, there is no toes. So when we get offended, we say, no, you don't have to walk in eggshells. We got no eggs. Maybe we'll do that one next. We don't have eggs here. We've got no toes here. I mean, we, we just... We recognize serving as a joy. It's beautiful. And I'm encouraging you, if you're not making a difference on the dream team, today, in our lobby, all the teams that serve on a Sunday, there is a clipboard there for you to go over and say, I wanna know more about this team. I wanna make a difference here. I no longer wanna show up on a Sunday thinking it's all about me. I wanna show up and say, who am I serving today? Who am I gonna add value to? And every single person on the dream team knows we have one play that we're running. Save lost people. We do it by helping people find a parking spot. We do it by opening a door. We do it by setting this room up at seven o'clock. You know, there's 50 tables in here at seven o'clock when we show up and a team shows up and turns it into this. We save lost people by providing Blaze Kids, by brewing good coffee, by having the lyrics, by doing a broadcast to people around the world who are hearing the gospel but it's all one play. Save lost people because he's coming back and we're the church. And that's our mission. That is our vision here at Blaze Church to blaze the way for people to know God. Save people. So serving, it starts on Sunday. If you're struggling with it on Monday, it starts on Sunday. Start here. Learn how to serve here. So we'll have that in the back. We're going to sing a song now that is the Lord's Prayer. And in his prayer, this line is given to us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know how we bring the kingdom of God into the east end of Long Island? Serving, <laughs> loving, preaching the gospel, being Jesus, we are in between the already and the not yet of his kingdom. And he's given us everything we need to live spirit-filled lives, to honor the king, 
to love people, to serve them. So let's not just pray, bring your kingdom here. Let's bring his kingdom here. Let's live different. How crazy would it be if just a group of people got this idea, this biblical idea that we could actually change the East End of Long Island by living like believers. I mean, if 120 did it and changed the entire world in the first century, why not us? Oh, man, I just got a really big vision. I do believe that we can change the East End of Long Island with the gospel of Jesus. When every Christ follower picks up a towel and says, I'm gonna serve, sign me up. I'm gonna make a difference. You know, tomorrow we're serving not just 100 families, we're serving over 125 families with food and gift card because of your radical generosity. What's the why behind the what? Lost people. Every one of those baskets are being prayed for before they go out the door tomorrow. Everyone has a gospel invitation in them. Lost people matter. And today, if you don't know the Father, Scripture says you're lost. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And we're showing the gospel to you so that you might confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and you will be saved and your identity is secure and your purpose is known. Carry a towel. Stand up with me. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song of response. And I want to pray for those of you who are saying, Pastor Keith, I want a servant attitude. Maybe you feel like you've already got that servant attitude, but you know, like I do, I just need more. <laughs> I need to serve more. I need to love others more. It's hard for me. Maybe you've never served someone. You've only ever thought of you. And today you're saying, I need a new attitude, a new mind. Wherever you are, if you're saying, I want to be someone who carries a towel, would you raise your hand with me this morning? Come on, as a sign of surrender to the Lord, to say, God, here I am. I want to make a difference for you. Keep your hand up as I pray over you. Father, I pray this morning that this room is filled with people who are hearing your heart, your vision, your mission to seek and save the lost. That we see Jesus, our servant king, who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many that he was obedient and humble to give up his life on the cross. And now we get to be the hands and feet of our King, the body of Christ, making a difference in our community. I pray that every person in this space would be serving on the dream team at Blaze Church, that we would not think it's just for some, that we would not show up and say, it's all about me, but we would show up and say, no, it's all about others. Who can I add value to? I pray that we are servants at our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, on the road, wherever we go, that we would be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, and we would be pointing people to Jesus. God, we pray for every lost person that needs to know that you sent your son to this world to save them. Use Blaze Church as a catalyst on the east end of Long Island. We wanna see our, our community changed. We wanna see the Riverhead area, Southampton area, both forks, Long Island changed by the message of Jesus. God, start here. Use Blaze Church. This is our vision. This is our mission that we would see lost people saved. God, do it through those who park a car, who open a door, who provide for children, who set up chairs, who brew coffee. Lord, all of it is so that lost people would come to know you. And we thank you for the privilege to serve. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate Jesus together with a hand clap of praise. He's the